Cool. Well, we're recording. Cool. Yeah. So uh, this is our newest podcast that has no name. Yeah, this is uh, Mark Dustin and... Uh, Kevin Ballman. And we have no idea what to call this thing yet. Yeah. We thought about the rabbit hole, but it seems that a lot of pe- other people have also thought of that same name. So yeah, it's something else. We'll think of it. Yeah. But basically, we're going to just explore a wide range of things that have interested us over the past week or whatever. Yeah, sort of. I guess we're sort of, you know, we we, 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 uh, we, we kind of thought like, hey, uh, we spent a lot of time jumping around like a lot of people do and topics are almost ra- at random and wouldn't it be fun to sort of explore some of them and, and share them? We were already sharing them and we realized maybe we should just record it and see what happens. Right. So let's start with something you want to. You got, I'm sure you've got something interesting. You you know what? Yeah, I actually have a lot of stuff and and, and we'll we'll see what we get through. Um, um, But let's talk about the first thing that I have put on this list. I put in this list to, uh, I think it was yesterday. Um, So Lewis Hamilton, um, who's like a Grand Prix F1 Formula One driver, uh, just wins. He just tied Michael Schumacher's record of seven title wins. Now, the important thing to remember here is that I don't really know a heck of a lot about any of these topics in this case. Right. I don't really know much about Formula One. But hey, I'm like, this guy just achieved something pretty amazing. The story itself, to be kind of honest, I don't even I didn't even read the article about the achievement other than the headline. And then I went right to Wikipedia and was like, who is this guy? Which right. Is, you know, sort of typical of. Well, and I remember Michael Schumacher from, I'm pretty sure it was the 80s. And he was was the man. I I think there was somebody else that was kind of his competition back then. Pretty sure they're both dead. I don't think Schumacher's Schumacher's not dead. His head or something like that. Someone did. No, it wasn't him. I mean, doesn't everybody die in Formula 1? But Lewis Hamilton is still alive and just just broke the record. And which... here's the thing. So this is what I learned by, by, by learning more about him than what his current achievement is and just realize that he's 35 years old. He started racing in, and this is interesting because a large part of the reason I was interested in this is because I've always kind of wondered how these, how these people get there. Like skiing. We talk, uh, we, we live in an area where you can ski or professional diving, any of the, any things like that. You kind of can go like, okay, well you started young, you were a swimmer or whatever, and you, and you got better and you went to States and you, but how do you, like, this is driving a million-dollar car. Like, how do you even get there? So he Hamilton start, is 35 now, and he started racing carts, go, like little, like, carts. His 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 mom, he's British, and his mom and dad uh, supported him, especially his father, and, and worked, like, four jobs to help him get into karting because he really liked it. So he's apparently, like, driving these little go-karty things around those tracks. But there's a whole circuit and he's racing when he's eight in 1993. He so um, and he's killing it. He's just great. So, you know, kudos to his 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 parents and his dad, especially for bending over backwards to make this work for him. When he's 10 years old, this is the story. When he's 10 years old, uh, corroborated by the by the by this guy Ron Dennis. When he's 10 years old, he meets the 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 team boss for McLaren. You know, the race team, uh, just at a thing or whatever. And he tells the guy. I love 
you, you're, what you do. I love your cars. I want to race and I want to race for you. He's 10 years old. So this guy, this is a kind of a great story. So this guy, his name is Ron Dennis, tells him, great kid, phone me in nine years, right? Apparently that's what he said. This guy put it in his own autobiography. Um, but, but, but this guy, Ron Dennis, he keeps an eye on Hamilton. And, and a few years later, Hamilton's still killing it on this go-kart track race thing, whatever. He's just taking in the biggest, you know, whatever wins you can. And, uh, and he, and Dennis calls him up, puts him on the McLaren development team. That's crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> and now he's, 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 he's tied for the best, you know, race, the, the best title, most titles in the world. And that's amazing. I mean, obviously somebody had the ability to see that was a possibility. Can you imagine? You know, or maybe not even a possibility of that, but that he had talent. I want to go back on the YouTube and I haven't done this. And that's actually something I have to do and follow up and look for, see if they have any of his old go, his cart races. And, I, you know, I just looked up Michael Schumacher because I was completely wrong. He was not, I mean, he did race for a long time, a huge amount of years. And that's incredible to be in this level of car racing for that long. But he was a 90s. 90s. Yes. So the 80s guys aren't, oh, Art and Senna. I think Senna, that, yes, Brazilian guy died. Yes. Great documentary yeah. about Senna, and he was he and another guy are the ones I remember from when I was a kid. But Schumacher was later than that, but he was injured in a ski accident. That's right. So he made it he through his head all on a rock or something. Crazy, right? yeah, car racing. Yeah, where your odds of dying, yeah, are pretty high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he gets injured in a ski accident. Yeah, he hit his head real bad. I think and went into a coma or something. I remember that vaguely. And speaking of Senna, and the do- it's a fabulous documentary called Senna. And I remember I have a friend who's Senna was Brazilian, and I have a friend who uh, gr- who is Brazilian, and and she lives in America now. And I had mentioned to her years ago that I saw the Senna documentary, which is a fantastic documentary. And she w- this would have happened when she was really young, because Senna um, Senna Senna was a victim of of the races. Uh, uh, he didn't survive, uh, his, but he was he was a national treasure in Brazil, and. And when I mentioned it to my friend, who was quite young when he passed, uh, she was like, the whole country was in more. I mean, we, we were crying. And she would have been maybe like six or something. Who knows? But it was, it was a yeah, he, heavy thing. When did he die? He died in uh, 1994, 34. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember that name a lot because... My parents were, were into car racing, and so I was too. And I thought it was really cool and everything. And But I never did. Well... I shouldn't say I never did it. I did do a little bit of car racing, but it was like individual cars at a time. Have you ever Jim seen Kana? Oh yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen uh, a Formula One car up close? Yes, it's tiny. I know. It's like super small, and and they have like twelve hundred horsepower. Or totally, something insane. insane. You're basically <laughs> riding on a rocket. Yeah. It, and have you ever seen um, any of the videos when the you have like close up videos of the pit crew when they drop in on a pit? Yeah. YouTube that thing. It'll blow your mind. I know. It's I mean, insane, you can, right? You you basically couldn't like take a sip of water and put your glass down before they're done and it's off. Yeah. Well, what do you have, Kevin? We we we've covered yeah. some cool stuff on Lewis Hamilton. So you know, one of the ones I've been thinking about this one, this one article in particular, since we kind of discussed this as a possible podcast, and uh, it was in the Atlantic, and it was called, and I say it was because things have changed. Oh. It was called The Mad, Mad World of Niche Sports Among Ivy League Obsessed Parents. Mm. 
where the desperation of late-stage meritocracy is so strong you can smell it. Oh, yeah. That's a whole crazy world. Yeah. So anyway, I I will first talk about the article, and then I'll talk about what's happened since the article came out. Because Mm -hmm. I think that the article, the premise, is something that anybody who's involved in sports with their kids has seen firsthand. So it's not like um, everything about this article is, is incorrect. Basically, it's talking about the the craziness and the lengths that people go, the money they spend, the, the dedication they put into getting their kids to be able to play a sport at their college of choice. Mm-hmm. And in this instance, it's Ivy League schools because that's where these kids are going to go. Mm. Now, these parents in, gen- in, in this article, in this instance, are not trying to get scholarships for their kids. Mm-hmm. It's just that not only is it important to go to the best school and right. get the best grades and get the best job, but you also need to play a sport at the best school. Right. Yeah, yeah of course. Regardless of whether it actually the does anything. Well-rounded for you. human right. being on the face of the earth. Now, yeah. the kids aren't necessarily, you know, good enough at say baseball or basketball to do this. So they pick niche sports Excellent. because if you were, it's a workaround, right? If you were 15 years ago and you wanted to do fencing or water polo, you probably had a much better chance of being able to play that sport in a school that has those sports. However, everybody has figured that out and it has gotten to the point where those sports are just as difficult, if not worse, because with the, uh, funding issues at colleges, yeah, those sports get cut. You don't cut football or basketball. Right. Those, yeah. those sports bring in money, but they're going to, they cut, um, you know, sports like fencing and water polo. And so they had something, you know, like if the percent increase in participation of water polo is say 25% over a period of time, maybe 10 years, the number of openings only increased by like 4%. Right. So your, your odds have been going down. But uh, it talked about the craziness. Hiring live-in coaches. Huh. It's like a nanny, what? but they just teach your kid how to play hockey or something, you know? So your kid can have a full-time coach at all times. Like any any break in the day when the kid's bored, go play some tennis, hit some balls, or whatever it is. Um, now, here's it's the like thing. It's like a manservant. It's like sort of how a ma- female, too. Right. Not, but a manservant that's just there like, oh, is Jimmy, uh, Jimmy's, you know, done with lunch, but he's got 20 minutes till he's got to start right. his math. Let's go hit some balls <laughs> against the wall. And you've got to be that that person who's just like, oh, okay, ready to, ready to go. Jimmy, go practice darts. Jimmy, you know you darts. want a dart scholarship. You got a darts. Yes, because <laughs> I'm thinking tennis, but that's an actual major. So right. You got to be darts. Darts. You know, a all darts. those dart teams. Dart scholarship. <laughs> And, and that's the conversation you have to have for the rest of your life. Yeah. So, uh, what you? So, what did you go to school? You want a scholarship? How'd you get a scholarship? Well, a dart scholarship. Yeah. Really? You're joke. You're joking. You? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I started. I started kind of going down this, this rabbit hole, and you know, there's all these articles about crazy parents, out of control costs of sports. So, since my kid has been playing hockey, mm-hmm. I came across an article that said the cost of AAA hockey. And my kid doesn't play AAA hockey, but you know I can easily see. So they came up with, when he started asking around, he came up with a range of five to fifty thousand dollars per year per child. Excellent. Five to fifty thousand yeah. dollars. That's insanity. And 
you know, you're driving all the time yeah. everywhere, staying and, in hotels. And what year does this sort of start? So how many, are we buying a house by the time this is over or is this <laughs> right. like, is this yeah. from when you're eight? I would think so. I mean, yeah. you know, if you were to go look at, I would imagine some of the top skiers, uh, Michaela Schifrin, Lindsey Vaughn, people like that. Mm. I can't imagine what the cost of their trajectory from, you know, a little kid doing wedge turns to yeah. world champion. It's a good question. I bet you could look for an article that said something about the uh, It's got to be astronomical. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, you've got to be in a place that has these things, which is, you know, in skiing, at least it's a ski town. You're already right. paying so that price. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then on, on top of that, it's it's just crazy. I did ride up with uh, up the chairlift with the international ski coach here at Ski Whitefish. Yeah. And it was pretty interesting to pick his brain about it. I won't say anything because I'm sure I know some parents who have kids that do that. But it was but it was an interesting, you know, five minute discussion. Yeah. About it. And it just kind of. Uh, affirmed things I already thought. Now, where would you? Where did you find this article? The core article you started with. The- uh, it was. It was at the uh, the Atlantic. Now, you oh yeah. So I gotta I gotta wrap it up with. So after that happened, yeah, and I went back to revisit it. And what was the title? Did you say the title? Of yeah, the it was oh, called sorry. the uh, Mad Mad World of Niche Sports Among Ivy League Obsessed Parents. Excellent. Where the desperation of late stage meritocracy is so strong you can smell it. I love that tagline. <laughs> that is good. amazing. That is good. <laughs> Um, so this author and, um, her name was Ruth S. Barrett at the time the story came out Mm -hmm. and apparently she had gotten in big trouble, uh, 10 years ago at the new Republic for plagiarism. Oh no. Uh, she went by Ruth Shallot Barrett. Then Uh she went by Ruth S. Barrett here. And even though they had a bunch of people fact checking everything at the Atlantic, apparently they didn't catch a few things that she maybe exaggerated in this article. And so the, the Atlantic has since retracted it. They knew who she was. They knew what she had done 10 years prior, but she had been writing for other established publications since then they thought that she deserved another chance, uh, but she did it again. Well, um, that's lame. I mean, you get another chance and you blow it again. Yeah. So apparently she tried to influence, um, this is at least what they say, uh, yeah. that she tried to influence some people to tell the fact checkers things that would you know, back up what she wrote, oh. not what was the truth. So she exaggerated things like saying uh, that people have Olympic size hockey rinks in their backyard and people do have hockey rinks in their backyard with lighting and generators and sure. full on boards and all sorts of things. But apparently they're not usually Olympic size, which is an Olympic size rink is even bigger than the hockey rinks that most places in the United States have. Really? It's bigger than an NHL rink. I would think it'd be the exact same because you want you want the the players to know their spatial sort of yeah limitations. Uh, uh, Olympic hockey, uh, you know, in world world the hockey in the rest of the world tends tends to have more passing and um, fluid movement, whereas the U.S. tended to have more crashing into each other and right. each up in, in right, the right, corners. Right, right, so yeah. that was... It's like taking a difference. soccer field and like having it. Right, I mean, exactly. like, Why are they all bumping into each other? Keeping all the same people out there, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, it got retracted. Um, and so when you go there now, they have a link to a PDF. If you really want to read it, you still can, but the article is gone and they just have this whole thing about what happened. So I thought that was really interesting. She, she took 
a topic that is crazy enough. Why'd she need to embellish? And then embellished and got in trouble for it, right? So stupid. Yeah, seems to me. It does seem stupid. You know, I looked up at a, speaking uh, sort of like topically, I, uh, I, I spent some time on YouTube this week and one of the things I looked up was, because uh, it's getting cold here, was and you know covid's in the world and we can't really do much and we're etc i looked up uh how to make a do-it-yourself backyard skating rink no joke no idea you were gonna you know come up with this and and this someone named jesse anderson is their youtube you know name they they post this thing and a couple of them out there but this one was and i was like oh like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go in the backyard i don't have a very big backyard but i'm just gonna like hose it down for a while it'll work just fine you know thinking i've got this right because when I was a kid, there were some rinks in my area, but it was I lived grew up in, in 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 rurally, and I don't know, maybe it was a pond. I don't know what I was on, but um, it's a little more complicated than I thought. Yeah, I mean, I could probably get a hose, but I don't think it would be. Yeah, you know, that's how that's where really where I learned to play hockey was in a neighbor's backyard where he built a rink. Yeah, their dad, there they were they were twins. They were my age. And they already played hockey. Yeah. I did not. I knew how to skate. And their dad um, was Canadian yeah. originally. He was from Canada. And so he built them uh, an ice rink in the backyard. Cool. And uh, it would consist of a bunch of uh, stakes yes. and some um, plywood. Yep. And then he would uh, put visqueen, kind of like as if you were yep. making a pie crust. You know, yep. drop the visqueen in and then wrap it over and... Uh, like staple it or weight it down on the outside, and then fill it with water. That's exactly and what, let it freeze. That's exactly what this what this Jesse Anderson showed was. It, it was you know you just do the stakes, and then you've got maybe about a six inch board that runs all the way around, just to trap the you know just to just to cordon it off, and then hold the the visqueen or whatever, and then you start to fill it. But then. And then I was like, well, maybe. And then and then you have to actually go out there with like they had like a hose and a thing that you just sort of drag the ice to kind of keep it because of course you got to have the Zam- you got to mock up a zamboni, right? So it, it quickly went out. It disappeared from my to do list for sure. I would. It sure would be cool though, right? It would be really cool. Oh, look at this. Speaking of, we have a visitor out there. That's right, taunting us while Taunt- we're trying we to record our. Our podcast. Our friend Janelle came by and stuck her face in the window and made fun of us. Probably rightly so. Um, another, did you see the uh, uh, Exploding Whale from 1970 video? Yes. One of the things that um, my son likes to do when he gets a break from his remote learning is run out to the office and bug dad to show him videos from Dig yeah. in particular. Yeah. And that happened to be on Dig, the remastered version Fantastic. of this video. Fantastic. Uh, like last week or something. Yeah. So, yes, we watched it. And then we watched it again with you and yeah. your kids recently. So, uh, a friend of mine, a friend of ours, uh, our friend Linda sent this to me. She's actually in Zambia right now with uh, her husband and uh, at working and, and children. And um, and she sends this to me one morning. She's like, I got I to gotta send this. So, it must be going viral again all of a sudden i think so so she sends it to me through yahoo but i but i found it on katu classic which i assume is the local oregon station where it originated if you haven't seen this now you've seen it and yeah. i've seen it if you haven't seen this a the the reporter who actually sort of narrates over the top of it does a fantastic job of oh, not yeah. being condescending and not but it's just catching the irony of it all yeah he, he doesn't just show up and say you know this is what happened or whatever yeah he He's out there talking to the the people putting the dynamite under there. Totally. And, he's talking, and and the way he describes how uh, the locals really thought it was great until 
it was started to smell till it wasn't great. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and the yeah, way yeah. he says it is yeah. just yeah. They're all. I mean, he's telling a great story. Everyone's up on the dunes watching this, and cause what? So what's happened is that this whale, and this is 1970. This whale has has a huge, massive. I don't know, 20 ton whale or whatever it was. Yeah, it's big. His 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 uh, has washed up on the beach in Oregon, and it's just rotting on the beach. So it's it's disgusting. It's horrible. It's unhealthy, etc. And uh, and so the local um, authorities decide the best way to deal with this thing because they can't roll it back into the ocean. They're trying to decide what to do, dig, bury it, whatever. Um, they decide to, to blow it up with dynamite. And and their idea is that if they use enough dynamite, it will just completely destroy it like yeah. down to little pieces. And then the birds and the crabs can come and eat it all up. Which in large part is what happened, except that a large part of it didn't blow up for one. And other large pieces flew all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> including, thankfully, no one was hurt, but including a mass, it basically rained blubber for a quarter of a mile yeah. in every and direction. The people who were there uh, to watch this all had to run for their lives. Yep. yep. And then one, one big piece landed right smack on the roof of... It was a quarter of a mile away, they says. He says a quarter of a mile away, some huge chunk, probably, you know, big as a computer monitor. It doesn't have to be that big with a big thing of blubber, maybe 20 pounds of blubber. Lands right on some guy's roof in a parking lot. Crushes it. Just just crushed. No one's in the car, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. You got to watch it. it. Is, and, you know, what's funny about that is I do remember hearing about that when I was younger. Yeah. At, or reading it, maybe. But I never got to see this awesome remastered video of it until recently it's and it's fan- it is it's it's one of the you know the the internet is a cesspool of toxic garbage that will yes. destroy your day and ruin your mind except for stuff like this which well, I, is awesome i think that this is that's part of the part of our our sort of concept here is that it's where the opposite of whatever doom scrolling is which i actually don't even know the actual definition of that so i could be getting this entirely wrong but based on just the literal translation of doom scrolling, we're actually spending time coming up with talking about the things that we've found that are all over the spectrum just to sort of celebrate what you can come up with in media if yeah. you choose to in some, and, and look for the, the fun things and the interesting things. And I have another story, which is... Um, You've been reading a lot of articles this week. Yeah, so this is an interesting thing uh, about this podcast that we don't have a name for and didn't really know how we were going to do it is that we both came up with different concepts of what this podcast would be, even though we talked about it. So you came up with like 30 things. Yeah. And I came up with three, but like six articles about each one. Right. And when yours are all like really pointed and and in depth and mine are more like you hear about that whale that blew up in <laughs> 1970? Which I think is cool. And I I envisioned <laughs> might. what I did as what you intended. What is this speaks the- who, to who we are as right. <laughs> individuals? <laughs> Kevin's more insightful. He really digs in things. You're a little vapid. I little, like watching uh, yeah. the whales blow up. <laughs> I don't think I do. I, my kid would like Usually. your version better than mine. <laughs> Um, so what's this? So what's your next one? You had something you had on, yeah. on deck here. So, you know, uh, having lived in Colorado for, uh, 12 years or whatever it was and really lo- loving the Western slope, uh, this article kind of, uh, caught, caught my attention. Actually, my wife sent this to me, uh, and it's, uh, a Washington post article It's really good. It's about, um, climate change and farming. 
and uh, it's called Two Degrees Celsius Beyond the Limit. This giant climate hotspot is robbing the west. This giant climate hotspot is robbing the west of its water, mm. and they uh, it's a it's an in depth article, but basically parts of the country, parts of the U.S. have already heated two degrees Celsius, which mm. is kind of that limit that scientists had said we should stay under. Right. Um, and, you know, lots of places haven't heated two degrees, but other, some places have already hit that. And on top of that is a, a not just hotter temperatures, but also less water. Mm. So these farmers are really struggling. And, um, and in the article, you know, one of them in particular that they talked to initially doesn't want to admit that there is climate change. Um, but you know, in the last time they talk, he has kind of come around to it. I think it, I think at some point it kind of gets hard to deny. Mm. Um, but which, so, you know, what, what this led me to is it reminded me of some other articles I had read in the past, which were things like, um, there were a lot of farmers who didn't like the term climate change or global warming, but would admit that there was an issue with heat and a lack of water, you know, in their region, which is due probably to climate change. Um, But they don't like, they don't like the term. They don't. Yeah. The branding is, is bad. And, you know, I, I, I tend to think this is probably like kind of tribalism, you know, if your, your team, has blamed the other team for something, then you don't like that thing. So even if that other team is right, well, you can be right, but let's come up with a name that's different. That doesn't give you, you know, you don't get attributed, you know, attribution you, for this. It's like, yeah. Cause you get credit for it. Cause you right. came up with the name. You, you used a really funny analogy earlier. We were kind of like brushing on some of the topics that you use the, um, Oh, well, since they called it vanilla, we refuse. We like, we like it too, but right. we don't want to call it vanilla. We'll call it not vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> or not, no, yeah, right. yeah, not, not chocolate, not, right, chocolate. not chocolate, right? We're going to call it not chocolate. Ooh, I like that too, but I can't tell them. So, uh, if I just call it not chocolate, right. I'll have some, I don't, I don't like vanilla, but I like not chocolate. I like not chocolate. Yeah, I'll you, take some of that. I'll take oh. some of the not chocolate. Can I have three scoops, please? Right. Not Two chocolate. scoops of not chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that just kind of led me down this whole, you know, uh, I just, this rabbit hole or slippery slope or whatever you want to call it, where I just kept looking up more things because I was like, Oh my gosh. So there are a lot of things where they talk about, uh, you know, messaging and how to, how to, how do you deal with this? Because you can even get uh, a majority to agree that, okay, there is climate change. There is global warming. I don't even care now what you call it, but I don't agree that man has anything to do with Mm -hmm. it. Um, or man does have something to do with it, but it's not more than 50%. We're not the major cause we're, the, we're, you know, a minor cause. So what comes to mind in this for me is uh, is something that I say all the time with, with stuff is it's like, okay, uh, whatever you want to, what's what's the worst thing that could happen? If we know this is a problem. We think it's a problem. What's the worst thing that could happen if we, if we just try, like, if we're wrong, nothing happens. It's actually, it's like, it's, I think he's something, oh, that's, this is, this is Bill Murray's uh, line in Ghostbusters to the, to the politician guy at the end. I can't think of the name. He says, uh, you know, if you're wrong, nothing happens. We look like a bunch of idiots, blah, blah, blah. But if we're right, if we're right, you get to be the most, you know, I mean, he just right. builds them up. It's this whole thing of like, hey, if climate change is, if we're wrong about this whole climate change, but it, 
there is some evidence that maybe it's true. Well, let's just do all this stuff. Don't have to actually do much. Right. And maybe we'll find out later we were wrong, but at least we 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 didn't you know we we didn't uh, make it worse. Um um in the in, and and it wasn't much to do in the meantime. It's like preventative measures. Right. It's like we don't know, but what's the worst that can happen here? Well, Wear your seatbelt when you're driving in your car, just in case. You're probably not going to get an accident. Probably but you might, not. Yeah. You know. I'm also probably not going to hit my head while riding my bike. Probably but I still not. wear a helmet. Might as well. Yeah. Doesn't make that ride with the bike helmet irre- like like what a oh, dumb stupid put my stupid bike helmet on. It's it, like yeah. But it could if it, if this became a uh, a you know, a political tribalistic yeah kind of uh argument. I think we need to have a new uh and maybe there is one, but maybe I think we need to have a new um uh, like you know, you take political correctness which, you know, we all know what political correctness means. So political, uh, how do we call it? So say the the server comes to your table with, and you're sitting across from your political opposite and drops two bowls of ice cream on your table and he or she says to you, and Kevin, here is your bowl of, your three scoops of vanilla ice cream, and then turns over to Randy and says, and Randy, here is your three scoops of not chocolate ice cream. Right. So what is the term of like the political branding of that? that you, yes. You know? What what do we call that, right? Because it's really just, it's, non, it's just a nonsensical nonsensical right. concept i i think we need to come up with a term we're gonna think this yeah. up through okay so anyway that's that's kind of the the gist of that one i thought it was really interesting and again that was in the the washington post and uh it was called the giant climate hotspot is robbing the west of its water have you heard of uh entirely different topic have you um i'm gonna jump to youtube again and have you heard about the man who spent 17 years building a lamborghini in his basement no, but I, I have something that, that <laughs> you do. yeah, that I can talk about after this. Excellent. So I, so this, uh, so this channel, Wonder World, Wonder World, two words, um, came across this guy. He has spent, he spent 17, he, so he, he, when he was younger, he, he fell in love with the Lamborghini Countach, like the eighties version and but he couldn't afford one. So he spent 17 years, uh, in his basement building an exact replica and it's not a replica where he goes and like buys parts one by one from Lamborghini like oh I need a piston um and puts it in he actually like slowly machined parts um had parts panels made or did a lot of it himself builds this thing in his basement finally I mean exact replica it's a real Lamborghini and finally he's done and he realizes he probably realized this earlier on, but still realizes he, he it's in his basement. He can't get it out. Of, he doesn't got a garage door in his basement, so he has to cut a hole with a you know a couple friends. Some people come up, cut a huge hole in his basement wall, drag the thing out, tow it out. It works. It runs. It's great. Um, and then he realizes I don't want this thing. He doesn't really want a Lamborghini. No, it's like more fun to do. Now, how many years did this take? Seventeen. So, you know, I mean, maybe his 17-year younger self would have wanted a Lamborghini, but by the time he finished it, he's like, you know what I really need is like uh, a minivan. Totally, yeah. <laughs> I got three kids. Yeah. How next, am I going to get baseball practice? build a town and country. I got to get these kids, to get the these kids to darts practice. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> With their private dart tutor. Their private, and I got to have space for the private That's dart right. tutor. <laughs> So he sells, he puts the car up for sale, and I think he eventually sold it for a 
pretty substantial. I don't think he made money on the deal, but I think he had a heck of a lot right. of fun. I, which is totally awesome and insane, and I would never, ever, ever, ever do that. Totally. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, which, so I did find the article I was talking about that I that this reminded me of. Yeah. I had read this years ago, um, but oh, it looks was updated July 2020, so I have no idea when it's from. But a guy who built a boat in his house in Wales, Excellent. a 16-foot bo- boat in his house. So he had to, he had to like, uh, take the doors out of the frame and take the framing off to get it out of his house once he was done. But it worked. Where's, he went. where's the article? It's in Wales Online. Wales Online. And, and how did it say how long ago this was? No. This guy's, the Lamborghini clearly was somewhat recently, I think, but I didn't really actually look at the timeline. It may have been a couple of, this, oh, I think it was somewhat recently. This took him three and a half years, so it wasn't that bad, but... Still. You know, I mean, it's it's not a Lamborghini, it's a boat. So there, it's not, and it's, he didn't have to build like some super fancy it's a it's gorgeous wood boat though that's really nice it's a craft it's an incredible craft but i mean the one the the big difference is he didn't have to replicate anything clearly you had to do it well and do it right and i would imagine that there are plans online to build a boat i don't know there are plans that's true to build a lamborghini like how do you know what the steering wheel material is and how do you know how to stitch it and yeah must have been able to see one every. I mean, how do you even? I mean, I can't even. Did you get to see a picture of this Lamborghini? Yeah, 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 yeah. They get the, the YouTube video. Like I say, oh it's, yeah, the YouTube video. Yeah, and, it's a YouTube, and it looks just like a Lamborghini. It thing. looks just like one. I think I can't remember the paint color. I think the paint color might have been the one they did. No, I think he did everything. It's incredible. Like it's an amazing thing, feat of of human engineering. And but but you're right. I mean, because of course these are micro measurements. These are you know you don't just. It's not like a recipe. Like I made. I made a cake and here was the recipe and I kind of got it right. And you, you have to, you, you have to have it down to the green, almost to the grain of flour with this level of engineering. Right. And measurement. It's pretty amazing. I think it's awesome. It's pretty awesome. Well, um, I, then the next, the next topic I had come up with, I came up with three. So, uh, I'll, I'll wrap up my last one here and then you can go to town with whatever you've left. You might have one or two to throw out there. We'll awesome. see. This one is something that we've all experienced, you know, all our kind of our cohort here in Whitefish, Montana, mm-hmm. uh, with this, um, you know, a COVID real estate boom, there have been a slew of articles, um, in a, many publications. This one in particular is in Bloomberg and it's called rich buyers seeking open spaces, fuel a housing boom in the U S West. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a whole bunch about everybody wanting to move to Montana. It's the, you know, the last great place or whatever. Local Montanans face New York style affordability crunch. So apparently in, I think it's Bozeman, the uh, median home price is now 10 times the median salary. Oh my God. So, I mean, that's, that's crazy. I I remember looking back because I thought it, um, like comparing, you know, talking to my parents, they, you know, they bought, they last bought a house in 1977. Yeah. And I think they thought it was pretty expensive back then. You know, it maybe was like two times their salary or something. I'm not really sure exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. They, people didn't share that information back then. You know, I knew, I knew what the house cost. I don't know what they were making at the time. Um, but then when I had to buy a house, it was, you know, more like three and a half times a median salary, but 10 times. Wow. Is totally insane so you know i 
just kept finding um, in uh, tons of articles. I think it was Bozeman now. In Bozeman proper, I believe the median home price is over $700,000. Oh, my God. It's so insane. And the, the county itself is 600000 approximately. Incredible. Um, and uh, and so, I mean, there are some, obviously people are starting businesses and doing cool stuff, but, right. and that's great. But, and, and, and a lot of that's people moving in from out of town, obviously. But the thing is, it's like, I mean, what does that do? I and mean, we all know what it does to right. the, to the person who, you know, has a, has a regular service job, has a small shop, has, oh, yeah. you know, who's, who's doing fine, but, and it's great because there's influx of money, but that's not going to, that's not, this isn't Reaganomics. It's not going to trickle down to everybody. No, no, for sure. And, you know, I, I did, uh, as you know, but you know, people listening might not know, I've been uh, doing web development for many years. And I had a client who was a realtor in Summit County, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And at the time, he was you know, wanting to compete with these bigger you know, Sotheby's and all these kinds of real estate firms. And so he wanted to build a you know, web presence that was going to be impressive. And he had stated that fully a third of the houses in Summit County at that time, and this was probably, I don't know, five or six years ago, uh, fully a third of them are empty 90% of the time. Right. They're just... Right. It's just... And um, what's what's amazing is, you know, if you or I bought a vacation property, we'd probably rent the heck out of it to yeah. try and cover as much of our costs as possible. Of course. These people don't care. They don't have they to. They don't want anybody in their house... Anyway, yeah, and they don't have to worry they about might the stain money. the carpet, sure. or they might. And if you show up to your vacation home for two weeks and stuff's broken, mm-hmm. then you're just like, oh, that just ruined my. It's vacation. not an investment in that way for no. them. It's not a. It's not an a, an end on an investment. It's it's a it's a long term investment, or it's not even an investment because right. they don't even need to worry about. It's maybe yeah. It's just maybe an escape, just something that they wanted. Yeah, and. I think that that brings up that whole, you know, what I've heard in the in the news as described as the K-shaped recovery. Yes. You know, where one part of the uh, population is trending down mm-hmm. and the other part is trending up. So right. for, for a, a portion of the population, they're doing awesome. Yeah. And they're just like, let's go. I always wanted to have a place in Montana. And these these articles talk a lot about those kinds of things. People who have never been to Montana. Yeah. Never saw the house. Yeah, and spend six hundred thousand on up on something they've never seen in a place they've never been to move to, to which, move to, to move to. Which I think yeah. is, I mean, I I wasn't really far removed from that, but I did experience Montana and look at well, and also visit the town and yeah. house that I was interested in before I bought it. It does show a little bit moved. of the a bit of the. F- Fear and urgency that, I mean, people are so emotional and we all are, but I mean, the fear and urgency that came from COVID where it's like, I got to get out of here. I can't just go fly in for the weekend and go, you know, take a quick vacation. I've got to do this now. And I'm wondering how many people are going to regret how many houses will be on the market. I don't think that it's going to tank the market like in three years or how many people are going to be like, well, you know, it gets, geez, you know, cold I do gets wonder in the same. Yeah. I mean, because... Are all these people buying at a peak? I mean, there was a time, it, it was only a couple of years ago, as I recall, and I might be getting a little bit wrong here, but it's, we, we, I wasn't here yet, but um, were, you know, like like there were cows in the field dying because it was so cold for so long. The right. stretch was... I think that was two winters ago. Yeah, it was like so, two or three winters ago. Well, and all, all the people that came to Montana this summer experienced 
an extremely dry, sunny summer. They had a great summer. And yeah. if you were here last winter, you got a really sort yeah. of light winter. So if we get a real one, maybe it'll change. Yeah, It was maybe. interesting, though. There was some of the some of the things are absolutely bonkers. Like, you know, some some financial guy from New York who he's, you know, he really was hoping to find something in Montana near Escheria for less than $2 million. Sure. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't thought, that be nice? You should be able to. You probably could. Yeah, you probably can. But and and there was another article in which the person I think this was on uh, Market Watch, mm-hmm. which is you know financial, and they have this column where people ask, "These are my requirements. Where should I retire?" And uh-huh. this person had mentioned that they had a price range of a million dollars to buy a house, and they could not find anywhere to buy near a ski area. And I was like, um, "I'm near a ski area, and I didn't spend anywhere near a million dollars. I think you can do it." But they had problems. You know, the, the problem was is they were being too picky. They yeah, wanted they, Aspen. They wanted they Aspen. Wanted. And because yeah. Aspen's going to have a heck of a lot more sun, you're going to be able to see the tips of your skis more um, than yeah. you're going to be able to hear. And and that's, I think, the thing. And we're talking about Whitefish, Montana, but we're also talking about a lot. Yes. There's a reason why Aspen is Aspen. Yeah. And and some other places are not as as have booming as much and are still a little bit more localized, although things are, things are changing. Because... It, it you're not going to get 300 days of sun in, right. this year and or at all. And oh, you're no. going to have days where the wind blow is just, you're going to not want to step out your front door. Well, and if you came here last December, um, you would be like, does it ever stop raining? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Know? But also what this does too, is your sort of your, the, the, the article or your friend's uh, uh, thing about Summit County and 90% occupancy or 90% vacancy of these owned houses is it provides obviously a, a large tax base which is nice. You can have a nice library and the roads right. will be in good shape. But what does it do for the boot, you know, the little restaurants in town? Those people aren't, they, they come in occasionally. If you come in two weeks a year right. or even a month a year, they might go out to these places, but that's not, a, that's not a, it a fl- does really make it difficult. And you know, we used to go to Summit County a lot because we, when we lived in Denver, that yeah. was kind of like Breckenridge had an actual, you know, nice little downtown that was a historical mining town. I mean, it was, you know, Vale's kind of like manufactured, faux Bavarian Alps kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas Breckenridge is the real, was the real deal. And we used to go there. And if you were there during the week, everybody was closed and yeah. you had a tough time finding like a pizza. But right. then on Friday you wanted a pizza. You had to wait two hours for a mediocre pizza. So because weird. Yeah. it's just, everybody's there on the right. weekend and nobody's there during the week. You had to plan your traffic patterns during right. the weekend and not during the, it's like, yeah, it's too much to think about. So, which reminds me, I just read another article this morning. It's kind of funny. And, um, I actually tweeted it because I found it. So kind of, what do I want to say? It, it was in the summit, some summit County news website. And it was talking about people building their dream homes in Breckenridge, uh, <laughs> tree houses right. that are, you know, yeah. uh, spiral staircases wrapping around to go up to the, and all these people talking about their, you know, they, the one person wanted a $20,000, um, patio door, but then decided maybe that was going to not work in the budget. And I thought this is an article that I'm sure just completely destroys the morale of the people who actually live there. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, yeah. I just want to find a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you I want just, a $20,000 patio door. Yeah. I'm debating whether or not to buy a $2,000 car. 
Right. So. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whether I can afford snow tires this year. I mean, yeah. it's it's always been hard to live in a ski town if you, well, just to live in a ski town, period. Yeah. I mean, there's very few people, I think, who find uh, a good way to have a business in the ski town and afford the ski town. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think there's a lot of people who run the businesses in ski towns often don't live in that town. And they are even commuting to their to yeah. business. I mean, when, when we moved here, there was actually a business for sale. Mm-hmm. And um, we looked into it. And it was a gallery type of a thing. And mm-hmm. we thought, oh, this is a pretty cool little thing. And we can make it way cooler. And then um, I got to look at the numbers and the amount the person was paying themselves was something like $35,000. And they had lived here for 20 years. So they yeah. probably bought a house 20 years ago. And then maybe they can make it on $35,000. Right, but right. I'm like, I have years when my medical costs are $35,000. Sure. I yeah. mean, yeah. I'm going to have to have, to live in Whitefish, you're going to have to have like three of those Right. And how is that business going to hold up given like the change in, in demographic and, and other people coming and coming here, et cetera, who knows, you know, now, now you'd be sitting on that business in COVID and so many things can come up and it's scary stuff. The, um, uh, total, uh, uh, change of since, since, since we got a couple more here, uh, I want to throw two things out there. I want to throw maybe big three things out there. If you haven't watched, if you haven't visited um, uh, the British TV show Top of the Pops in a while, do some searches. There's a great um, uh, YouTube channel called The Archive. does a lot of music stuff. It'll probably come up a lot when, in my conversation. I was watching recently, and I've seen many things on this, um, The Cult in 1985 on Top of the Pops doing Man. the song Rain. They also do She Sells Sanctuary. It's just it's just great, man. It's the just Cult so was cool. so cool so when good. i was in high school so good all the cool kids went i did not yeah it's so concert. amazing they were so great and and another thing and our friend uh i think you got this too our friend jody sent this to us recently um she was in uh new york a long time ago in in uh, working in uh jazz and blues music marketing sorry jody if i'm getting some of this wrong um and uh she sent me uh us this uh, ray charles 1960 live performance doing georgia on my mind black and oh white. yes it's just, you just want to like be, you don't want any distraction. You just, it's three minutes of your life. Just focus on it and just watch the, yeah. the beauty of this moment. It's tremendous. I, I, I would have to say that, um, that might be one of the things that I definitely miss, uh, with, with COVID is actually being able to go see people play music. Yeah. Um, in a, in a cool venue. Mm-hmm. But, I, um, I also miss that just because I've moved to, Whitefish, Montana. We naturally so, can't do a lot of the stuff yeah, that you would be able to do with you COVID. Definitely. I mean, there, there is some of that a lot less than Denver. And uh, of course, with COVID, even less of that. Yeah. But I, uh, the cult. Mm. Oh, the cult. So good. And it's some, it's uh, frequently requested by my, my kid. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things that I, I mean, I listen to the cult a lot, but even when I, but then I, for, I don't want to say I forget about them, but whenever the cult comes on a radio i don't listen to the radio that much but maybe i'm in the car um or it pops up on a rotation a long playlist i have or a rotation of some sort every time it's like oh yeah you know like i gotta spend more time listening to the cult because there's not i mean it's just what three records love electric uh sonic temple 
those are the those are the best ones that I'm aware of. I, I coming off the top of my head, I think the one after that was Ceremony was had something oh, yeah. on it that was good. But anyway, spend some time listening to the Cult. Definitely check out Ray Charles. Uh, oh, Ray Charles, the Ray Charles George on my mind came from Music Records. I don't know if there's another. That's that's the YouTube channel and um. And I mentioned the archive with the cult. Well, we'll once we have a web, once we have a name right. for this, and, a name for the podcast, and a place to host it, and a place to <laughs> talk about it or write about it, we will post all of these right. links and stuff for everybody I mean, to go um, to. Yeah, I, you know that reminds me. Just before we came out here, I, I, I played a, a song. Yes, uh, by Lady Lamb. Yes, and that's been kind of a recent discovery for and me. And I'd never heard of Lady Lamb. And I heard it, and I've just this song just got some great. The, the the way the song you know kind of starts out and then it then it changes yeah and uh, really kind of yeah it's kind of folky but then it kind of picks up and, and it's a little bluesy gears get a little bluesy yeah, yeah it was and really really great and then when really you great. see uh, her playing live or in a video she looks like she's about fourteen really yeah it just makes me feel kind of lame and pathetic well, I don't think she's fourteen but. You know, I mean, there are 14-year-olds that can play like this. Well, you know, and that's something that to really... So so, so she, at first, the, in, in her song reminded me a little of Nico Case, her voice. And then, uh, but it, but not quite, but it kind of was in that tone, very singy, very good. Um, um, and then it did change gears a lot and really was its own thing. Um, but it is interesting, as we grow a little older, to look, to think that the some of the greatest talent of all time or not necessarily lifelong talent although yes life i'm stumbling over this but what i kind of mean is like some of the greatest things that we've ever heard in our lives were written and song wise book wise that were written by people that we would now look back and go that's kind of young yeah yeah for sure really 18 and billy eilish is great i mean i'm not i a huge fan of bad guy her 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 her, her early stuff well not it's early but you know what i mean when she's like 17 with her brother um the stuff that i first heard and i'm like what she's like 17 years old i mean my, how, how the maturity of this you know i mean it's incredible well and another thing that uh i've revisited with my kid and he loves it is um it came up on a K, kexp politics um playlist kxp radio yeah, yeah out of seattle and yeah so it's uh the band death the proto-punk band yes because it was it was a, it was a we, I, I confused politicians this. in your eyes or right or politicians in my eyes and there's a documentary about them yes. that i have not seen and, and they were like they were like late teens yeah they, and they were man awesome right because so good. i originally confused that when you mentioned it with the death metal band oh death, right yeah who were great and if you look up death band that's you i think the death metal band usually comes up first yes probably but if you search for the documentary a band called death then you should find them or if you were to say death proto punk band or something um you'll get the right ones and it's these three you know brothers um african-american brothers and uh they named the band death because their dad died yeah and wow this is what okay so i know we were gonna end this podcast but here i am still talking no this is a perfect ending this this is amazing so the the record label uh they 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 get heard and people are like wow these guys are great a record label um pays for uh producing an album and when they're either in the process or done the producer says 
the one thing you have to do is change the name of the band. It can't be death. And they said, nope, sorry, no deal. And that was the end of it. Oh. That's like the end of the band death. It, like the whole thing hinged on this and they were like, nope. Really? Yeah. Oh. But so the brothers ended up, they were from De- Detroit, Detroit, I it was. yeah. And I'm looking moved, at the Wikipedia page right now. Moved to Vermont or something like that. And then they play, they have still... One of them, I think, died of lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Two of them are still alive, and they've been playing uh, a reggae band or something like that. Cool. And but they got back together and have uh, put put together more uh, death, you know, uh, albums. Since. So this says um, so so yeah. So I know I'm aware of this, and I'm aware of the documentary which came out I th- quite a while ago. I think. Yeah, it was a while ago, and I have not watched it. It's sort of one one of those on the long list um, things, and it is it's these yeah three brothers uh, David Bobby and Dennis Hackney. I'm looking at the uh, Wikipedia page death, and it's uh, it's parentheses proto punk band, and uh, yeah, 1971 they broke up in '77. Reformed in 2009 in Drag City, great record label, uh, released their their demos, their 70s demos for the first time. Someone, I got to read about this because what's really fascinating is someone came across this and went, what the heck is yeah, this? Why Why do we not know who How do these we not, people are? not all listen to this? Yeah. Comes to me like remind me, I mean, the um, Finding Sugar Man is the, oh, is yeah. the thing. Or, yeah. Yep, that I was mean, another one of yeah. those kinds of albums. These real I mean, documentaries. These real gems that are hidden. And uh, and Anvil, the Anvil documentary. Have you seen the Anvil no, documentary? I've not seen that. Well, check out the Anvil, the metal documentary for the band Anvil. That actually, I think, it, I think it won a Grammy or was nominated. I can't remember. Um, Anvil band, a documentary about this Canadian metal band. Also super cool stuff. Fun stuff. I, and I think the other one is Searching for Sugar Man. Searching for Sugar Man. That's what it was. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Searching for Sugar Man. Huge. He had like a huge following in South America or something like that, but he was working, you know, he had dropped out, nothing had happened, but he had this sort of like Dylan-esque following in, 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 and some, some young person sought him out and went, hey, you know, you're huge down here. And he was like, uh, no, I work at like a factory. I think we could do... And these stories are so awesome uh, about these, you know, artists and thing uh, where people rediscover them because, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. This is the last one I'm going to talk about, but we've talked about this before. Lazarus. Q Lazarus. Q Lazarus. Goodbye Horses. Goodbye Horses from, uh, which we all know from the uh, Silence of the Lambs. Creepiest moment where he does the little tuck in and he dances around. Q Lazarus. And people online spent years trying to find Q Lazarus and it turned out she was like a bus driver in Brooklyn yeah, or something. She's like, yeah, she's driving a bus and yeah. she doesn't want anyone to know. No, she doesn't care. She's done yeah, with that. She's not interested. Yeah. Yeah. And the way she got discovered is, I can't remember, she's a cab driver or something and she gives somebody a cassette. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I, I love stories like that. I, th- I think we could, I think we could do a whole episode which is just rediscovered I am artists. going to, this is the last thing. <laughs> right. Sorry, it made me think of something <laughs> right. I came across recently. Um, that's why it, That's why it was going to be called The Rabbit Hole. We're on music. It's it. exactly, we're some sort of, yeah, we're on music right now. So I'm going to finalize do my last thing with music because you just brought up something that brought up something for me. If you have not seen the Tracy Chapman um, uh, uh, video of her at Wembley Arena in 1988 for Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday party. The she um, 
she was it was it, she does fast car which is the song right, everyone kind of knows her for she had to, she's 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 fabulous she's a fabulous talent and she's done so many cool things uh but that's the one that most people are like yeah. immediately familiar with it was certainly when i was young she the album had come out she had already performed with her band but elton john who was supposed to perform had uh, a technical issue and he's walking a stage from the, the way it's told and he's walking to stage and he uh and there's a problem with like some computer chip or whatever and it's not working out some and ever so he turns around and is like i can't do my thing so he walks down and they are needing to fill space they're at wembley arena for 70th birthday for, and so what maybe like 60,000 I don't know how many people are going to Wembley 80,000 people 60,000 people huge it's an amazing video and um she is someone goes and goes hey Tracy can you fill 20 minutes she goes up and does I think like three songs the video is really funny because she's just literally thrown up on a corner with like a backdrop she's not even really on the stage exactly it's sort of weird she's 100% solo in front of everybody and she does fast car it's what broke her. That's that's amazing. It blew her up like that moment that the 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 intimacy of it. I mean, it got her massive press, and she kills it. I mean, she just sounds. That is so cool. And you know, obviously, there's a lot of luck there. You know, happenstance. Yes. But she was prepared and was able to, to pull it off. And I mean, the steel nerves. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, I imagine they probably weren't very steel, but the way to at least. Pr- pr- right. you know, so this is on, I found this uh, on YouTube a while back, and it's uh, some guy who goes under the name Colonel, K-O-L-O-N-E-L, and the last name Briquette, B-R-I-K-E-T. He's got it posted. Tracy Chapman, Fast Car, Wembley, 1988, um, posted in 2012. So it's been up there for a while. It's got 3 million views. I'm sure there's other ways, places to watch it, but uh, but see it. It's, it's, it's glorious. It's beautiful. I am going to... Um look into a story that that this now reminds me of for our next one <laughs> sounds I'm not, good i'm not going to start talking about it now because um this is going to go on a little bit yeah, dark soon go on forever <laughs> <laughs> well we should uh we should we should really think of a name for this podcast. yeah we should um i don't know let's ask around if any of our zero listeners have an idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah help us out right now.